0: Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the introduction. You guys are so kind. Um, we are, uh, as Trish said, um, sort of in the like first uh, first year of uh, operating at, as this uh, ministry, this sort of network of microchurches that we're doing down in the Schaumburg, Elgin, Streamwood sort of area, and uh, and we're just. Trying to figure out, um, like a lot of you guys personally and, and individually, how to follow Jesus, how to be like Jesus, and, and to do what Jesus does in, in this world. And then, and then how to teach others to also be like Jesus, and to follow Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus does in this world. And this is challenging, um, because if you haven't noticed, the world is changing like super, super fast, like crazy fast. Um, Will Smith is like punching dudes, and it's like, I mean, come on, what weird world, okay? Um, but we, you know, but it's just changing. Things are changing, just super, super quick. Uh, I'll start off with a little bit of a story. So, I'm uh, sitting in my garage with uh, with my friend Andy. Andy is not a Christian, and um, and this was back. I think a little over a year ago, it was COVID, and we're in the garage because the garage is ventilated, and so this is the place where we could like hang out when it was 20 degrees outside, and you know we're huddled around like this patio heater sitting in my garage, and uh, and we're talking, and he called me the day before, and he said, hey, I've got something super important I need to share with you, and so we're sitting in the garage, and uh, and he says, uh, you know you know how you challenged me to read this uh, chapter in Romans, I think I challenged him to read like Romans 6, and I said, yeah he said, uh, I didn't read the chapter. And I was like, I kind of expected that, you know? (laughs) Uh, And uh, he said, I read the entire Bible instead in 10 days. And I said, no, you didn't. (laughs) He said, I did. He said, the Old Testament was way longer than I expected it to be. That was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, But as he's like talking about this, it becomes clear that he actually... Did that? He read the entire Bible in ten days. He was out of work. I guess he had a lot of time on his hands. I don't really know. But, uh, but remember also, he's not a Christian. And so, I said, "So what did you think?" And I'm a little bit nervous about this because I believe that the Bible is the word of God, but there's a lot of crazy stuff in there too, you know. And so I'm like, "All right, so what do you think about this?" And he said, uh, "He said, I'm in. I'm I'm a follower of Jesus now." He's like, "I'm I'm in." And I stood, and we hugged, and we cried, um, and we prayed together. Uh, And the reason that this was a really big moment, other than just the obvious that this new person has entered into the family of God, um, is that this had been like a very, very long journey with my friend um, Andy. It's like five years That we were just kind of walking together and that I was just dreaming of this day that one day he would he would lay down his life and and hand this over to Jesus Um, now here's the thing I didn't meet Andy in a church Uh, we met at Starbucks through uh, this mutual person that we uh, that we knew Um, Andy at that time had never been to a church in his life he didn't own a Bible he uh, grew up in a home, both of his parents were were atheists, um, just very, very, he was like the most unchurched, people talk about like the unchurched, he was the most unchurched person I think that I'd ever met. Over time, uh, he started kind of hanging out with us and our family and would come over from time to time. Pretty soon he started to believe that there was maybe, possibly, probably a God, um, and then there were some kind of strange, you know, detours and turns into like some eastern stuff and he would say every once in a while I think maybe I'm God I'd be like no we're no you're not you know and kind of steer steer back around but but we just kept kind of like doing this walking together and uh and he would have the struggles with work and friends and things and we would talk through a lot of things and grief and 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 he's still on this journey I don't want to paint the picture that he's this you know Andy's the super saint or anything like that. But, but that moment when Andy finally lays his life down and says, Jesus, you're my Lord, that was, um, that was a really big deal. Just knowing how many barriers there were for Andy to get where he is. But that's, that's discipleship. Okay, It's a, it's a relationship that, that God puts us in where we're growing in our faith alongside someone else over time, right? That's what discipleship is. And that's the calling on my life. Ultimately, you boil it down, that's what it is. It's, it's to disciple people. And I can do that doing things like this every once in a while, I'll get up and preach and talk to, a, a, you know, a bunch of people in a room or something like that. Uh, sometimes it's by leading our, our network. We have church leaders who are also trying to learn how to help people and uh, help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so I, you know, lead them and help them kind of figure some of those things out. And then sometimes it's just sitting across the table from someone over coffee at Starbucks and both of us just stretching toward Jesus. And, and the thing is, if, we're, if you're a Christian, if you are in Christ, whether you're really realize it or not, that's also the calling on your life. That's also the calling on your life because you are the church. And that's the reason for the church. It's actually what we're here for. Jesus tells us this just before he ascends into heaven. He says, go make disciples of all nation. It's, it's the reason for the church. I know, like, I don't have to tell you guys here, but uh, just as a reminder, churches don't exist to build pretty buildings and have cool worship services. Um, We exist to make disciples. Period. You know? That's what we do. It's like frying pans don't exist to wear them as hats. They make eggs. You know? Churches make disciples. And it's, it's something that I really I love about this church, this community fusion, as long as I've known you guys. It's just a very discipleship-focused community here, and I just love hearing about you guys and all the things that you're doing and learning from you all. But that's not easy, right? Doing discipleship, that's not an easy task. Right now, um, like just like you know, with my friend Annie, there are just a growing number of challenges and barriers that the church is up against when it comes to making disciples. And I think that those challenges are going to keep growing for you know at least the next five or ten years, if not longer. And the problem is this. Um, my friend Andy would have never walked through these doors on a Sunday. I mean, he just didn't have any interest in doing that. Uh, on a Sunday morning, he's, he was very content to just wear pajamas and hang around in, uh, in his house, okay? Um, and he drove by. There's lots of churches that he would drive by, and he would drive by a lot of those. There was no impulse in him to pull into the parking lot. Uh, he would probably got, you know, church mailers for things like Easter services and things like that, and they ended up in the recycle bin, um, and see, this is the challenge, this is, this, this is the discipleship challenge that the church at large, the Big C Church, has, I think, across the country. We have sort of grown accustomed to this idea that all potential disciples are going to walk through these doors, okay? And they're going to sit in a chair, and they'll listen to a guy like me talk for half an hour or so, and then, you know, they'll become a disciple, um, Now, and the reality is that may not be happening as frequently, and that's kind of on the decline. I don't think it's anybody's fault for for thinking that way, Um, and I'm not making fun of anybody for thinking that way, because the reality is that's the way they used to work. My grandparents' generation, they just went to church because that's what they did, you know? Um, that was just a cultural thing. Everybody went to church. With my parents' generation, it was a little bit harder. They were children of the '60s, and so churches worked a little bit harder. They brought you know guitars and drums and things like that, and they said, "You guys don't have to wear suits anymore. It's all cool. Just everybody kind of come in." With my generation and and younger, like you know Gen X and millennials and Gen Y, uh, I mean, like especially since COVID, the latest statistics that I've seen say that there are uh, 10% fewer church attenders among 18 to 34-year-olds than there were right before COVID. Like, it dropped from, like, about 36% to 26% in two years. And this is a, that's not a new trend, like, church attendance has been on the slide and decline for, for decades, but now it's gone from, like, a gradual decline to, to a free fall, and... Um, And it hasn't seemed to be bouncing back. The point's this. Um, I think we are just kind of coming to the end of a time in America where we can just count on unchurched people walking through our doors and wanting to learn how to follow Jesus and be like Jesus and do the things that Jesus does. And so that means for us, if we're going to be the church, the way that God has designed us to be the church we're going to have to go make disciples outside these doors, right? Out in the world. And the good news is this is the way that the early church did it because they didn't have a like, super slick, cool thing to invite people to, right? They just like hung out, and they found a sick person, and they healed him, and they had conversations with people, And they met people in the synagogues and temple courtyards and in the Roman marketplaces. And they chatted with neighbors. And some of those neighbors became acquaintances. And some of those acquaintances became friends and got absorbed into this community. And the church just like exploded through this time. And their only tools were love and the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful and just shocking, surprising thing for for me to wrap my head around is that that was enough, right? That was actually way better than all the other stuff. And I don't know about you, but I think I I forget that sometimes, that that's enough. um, You've seen the movie Madagascar, you know? Um, there's, it's like the zoo animals and then they get shipped off to Africa by mistake. And, and then all of a sudden they got to figure out like how to like live in the wild. And it's this lion, he's like, I've got these claws. I don't know what to do with this. And it's hilarious, you know? Um, but this is, that's sort of what I'm saying is that like, we actually have all the tools that we need to be in the world and to be the light and darkness, We've got all the tools that we need. We've got the Holy Spirit that's living in us. We've got God's Spirit in here walking with us. But we have to get back into the wild, right? And so, and so this is my invitation today. This is kind of what we're talking about. Um, come into the wild. Let's come into the wild. Let's go. Let's meet the, the Andes <laughs> who live in Lake County, um, those who aren't walking in here on a Sunday afternoon, let's, let's figure out what it is to be Jesus, to be the light of Jesus and to walk with them and to love them. Let's be the light in the world, okay? Um, and so here's where I'd like to start. Uh, I'm just going to start, I want to try to make this really simple. Um, we're just going to start with where you already are, um, where you spend your time, where you do life who you already know. And and we start here because I think that the first step toward uh, making disciples isn't usually about going somewhere else. It's usually about like taking where I am, reimagining where I am and treating it as a territory that God may have sent you. Okay? You hear that? The first step is usually taking a look at where I am and treating this as a place that maybe God has sent you. Paul gives us this really great word picture. Um, In uh, 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 13, Paul says, "Uh, we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority. He uses this really interesting word, area of authority. We will boast, he says, only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. And so Paul's introducing like two really kind of interesting ideas, concepts here. Number one, Paul says, uh, he's saying that that he has certain defined circles of influence. Literally, uh, this term that he uses here, it, it means the measurement of a circle, so you can imagine sort of like a circle. If you stretch a uh, stretch the, a plumb line across the diameter of that, that's what the Greek word means. And so Paul's talking about the territories where he feels some sort of weight or ministry responsibility. And so it, it's it's like he's creating a map with boundary lines on it, and he's saying, this, this this area right here, okay, this circle, this is where God's given me some authority and some responsibility with these people who live in this area. Here's where God's sent me. Not that Paul doesn't care about the other areas. He just sees these primary places as his primary areas of influence. Now, imagine if you start to think of the places in your life that way as places that God's sent you, like your neighborhood, you know? You can think of your neighborhood as the street that you live on, or you can think of it as a place that God sent you, right? You can think of your workplace as a place where you earn a paycheck, or you can think of it as a place that God has sent you. And what happens is when you start thinking about places that way, it starts to change your perspective about them, and about the people that you encounter there. So I'll give you sort of an example. If I if I drew a relationship map, um, yeah, this right up here. So if I kind of like was like, all right, so what what is my Uh, What is my area of authority? Where's the spiritual territory that God has sent me to? This is kind of what my relationship map would look like. I would start with, okay, where do I spend my time? I spend a lot of time with my family, okay? So I would start with a circle there. And then I would think, okay, I, I spend a lot of time with my neighbors in my neighborhood. I've gotten to know some of my neighbors there. Um, you know, my, my kids' at school, my wife's on the PTO, and we volunteer a lot over there. And so we spend a lot of time there. Church family—that kind of falls into that bucket. So there's a bucket for that. The gym. This is sort of an old graphic. I don't spend a lot of time at the gym, just to be honest. But for the sake of illustration, we're just going to keep that there. Um, but um, but so so this is this is kind of where we're spending our time, right? And then the next thing thing that I'm thinking about is, all right, now who lives in those territories? And that's what these little orange triangles represent for me, okay? So in my family, I've got my wife and I've got uh, my two uh, younger kids, Samantha and uh, Rebecca and my older daughter, Olivia, and her husband and um, my in-laws and my parents, and they all kind of fall within that circle of, of relationships, And in my neighborhood, I'm thinking about Steve and Karen, and I'm thinking about Jim and Denise, and I'm thinking about James and Daisy and a few of our neighbors there. And on and on, I can go through all of these areas, and I'm thinking about specific people, people that I've encountered, some people that I've known for a long time, some people that I've just met. And I'm thinking, just kind of making sort of a map of the relationships that people I have in, in my life, and on and on and on. Now, here's the thing. Once I've got this map, and I kind of have this figured out, Now I've got to start looking at this through God's eyes, through Paul's eyes, through Jesus' eyes, right? Because it's one thing to say, I I, I spend time with my family, and it's another thing to say that I've been sent by God to be an ambassador for Jesus to my family, right? That changes the way that you think about spending time with your in-laws. It changes the way that you the way that you discipline your kids. Because if you've been sent as an ambassador by God to your family, disciplining your kids isn't just disciplining your kids, it's discipling your kids, right? It changes how you think about your neighborhood. You're rolling down the street and you're just, you're imagining, this is a place that's been assigned to me by the creator of the universe, right? Right? Changes the way that you think about it. My, in my neighborhood, I'm, um, I serve on our uh, Homeowners Association board, um, which I was always just super hesitant to do because HOAs are just notorious for being jerks. And, you know, just like, um, I just never really wanted to, to do that and have to give out fines to people for whatever, ticky-tack stuff, and so, but, you know, but I was invited to do that, and so I decided early on, like, okay, if I was going to lead this HOA, I was going to do this and lead our neighborhood in the same way that I would pastor a church, and so when there's neighborly conflict, I tried to, like, navigate that the same way that I would navigate if I was helping people navigate conflict in the church, right? Or if somebody didn't, you know, pay their HOA dues, I mean, I've got to do something about it, but I'm not going to send them like nasty threatening letters and things like that. I'm just going to call them up and approach it more from a posture of like, hey, can I help? Is there anything that I can do? You know, that sort of a thing. And that's because I see myself not just as a resident in this neighborhood or as a board member on an HOA, But I see myself as like the pastor of the neighborhood, okay. And I and I kind of take that as my responsibility that I'm pastoring this neighborhood. And what I also know is that a lot of my neighbors, for for a lot of them, I'm probably the closest thing to a pastor that they have in their lives, right? Because of that, because of the way that I've chosen to, um, the way that I've chosen to live there. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of where it begins for us. We would just recognize that God gives us certain circles of influence, certain places where we live, and then we just begin to change our perspective and say, like, could this be a place that God has actually sent me to be an ambassador for Jesus, okay? Now, here's the second thing that we pick up from this passage in 2 Corinthians, okay? These circles of influence, these circles of influence, They've got fixed limits to them. They've got limits to them. Paul says, We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us. That's what Paul's saying. Um, He's saying, He does not have an unlimited, ever expanding territory, they're fixed, it's limited. Paul can't be in Macedonia and Colossus at the same time. He has influence in different places, but his influence is limited. And the same thing with you. You have limits. All of you do. I've got limits. You're limited by time. You're limited by um, geography. You're limited by just your relationship capacity. Um, you look back at my like circles of influence I have here. Even if I wanted to meet more and more and more and more people, eventually I'd, I'd hit a limit because we just wouldn't have time for it. And, or I wouldn't have the capacity for it or my wife would kill me or you know, uh, I don't have the gifting for that. I, you know, I, I, just, I, I can't carry all of that. And so there are, as Paul says, boundary limits to my areas of influence and your areas of influence. And so then this becomes a problem for us, right? If, if I can't just keep expanding each of these circles out further and further and further and packing more and more and more friends and relationships and people into these circles, then how's the kingdom Going to grow, right? That's the problem. How are we going to make disciples of all nations if we can't do that? Well, Paul continues in verse 15, and this is super important, okay? Let's pull that slide out, that next one. It says, We hope that your faith, whose faith? Your faith. He said, We hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you. Will be extended. You see that? Let me read that first line again. We hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. And then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. You see this? Okay. See, this is, this is what Paul is saying here. This is the way that the kingdom ultimately grows. It's not just about um, building a bigger auditorium and putting more chairs in there so more people can listen to a few people like me. Um, no, he's saying that the organic, natural way that the kingdom grows, this is sort of like how it grows in the wild, Is when I'm taking responsibility for the areas of spiritual influence that God's placed in my life, and then somebody else is taking responsibility for the spiritual, for their circles of influence. Let's go to that next slide. Somebody else is taking responsibility for the circles of influence in their life, and then somebody else is taking responsibility for the circles of influence in their life, and so on, and so on, and so on. Does that make sense? And see, this is this is what a culture of discipleship looks like in the wild, right? That's kind of what it looks like when the when the light of Jesus is unleashed and distributed organically through all of us. And I am just convinced as we move into this next season as a church in america i think that this is what it's going to take why because you know this is the direction of our culture we have to figure out how we can take what we have in here and bring it out there you with me on that um and it starts real simple. I, I, I know that the, the idea of making disciples and that sort of thing, that can probably feel intimidating for a lot of you. Many times it's very intimidating for me. Step one, I think, for all of us, is uh, just by looking around and saying, okay, who do I know? Where do I do life? Who do I know? Because a lot of times when, we don't even know who we know until we sit down with a pen and paper and write down who we know, you know? Who do I know? Where do I do life? And so that's what I'm going to do right now. We've got um, pens and paper. Does anybody not have a pen or a paper? Um, if you don't or don't want one, you can use a, a phone or something like this. This may be my last time ever. Now no, I'm giving you guys homework. Last time I'll ever be invited back here. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I'd like to just do this little exercise. I find this to be super helpful. It's helpful for me even sometimes if I haven't done it in a while, going back and re-looking at it because that map sort of changes over time as you move into different seasons of life. And so uh, so this is just an example for you. Uh, if you Let's go back to that uh, that first graphic with my uh, relationship map, if you guys can pull that back up for me for a minute. Um, Yeah, just pull out your pen and paper and just, everybody just practice drawing a relationship map. So if you, uh, if you have a spouse with you, you can do this uh, together, Uh, but actually draw the circles and then ask this question with with each one, where do I spend most of my time? Where do I spend most of my time? And this isn't like a, where do I wish I spent my time or where did I spend my time five years ago? This is, this is, where do you actually spend... Most of your time it could be, you know, in your apartment building if you live there, or it could be PTO if you're involved with that, or, you know, whatever your thing is, okay? And there are lots of lots of places that we spend time. Family, if you are in a family, then, you know, that's probably going to take a, a part of it, but that's, that's something you definitely include, right? So where are you spending your time? And then you're going to ask yourself the second question, which is, who are some people that I know in some of these places? So then start kind of filling in some of your circles. It could be just one person that you know in that place. It could be six. It could be very deep friends. They could just be acquaintances. And then the last question is this. What what would I do differently if I knew that God has sent me to this place? Okay? All right, and I've got these uh, questions uh, up here on the board. I just want to give you guys five or so minutes. Yeah, we could probably do five minutes Uh, just to, you know, spend some time with your spouse. You guys can chat about it if you're here uh, on your own. You can do that as well, but let's take a little bit of time and just kind of like process through that a little bit, and then we'll regroup and and, uh, see what the Lord has shown us. Yeah, this is awesome. You guys did great. A plus is all around. Everybody's really good. Yeah, you know, uh, the two kind of big realizations that uh, that I often hear as we uh, walk through this exercise with people. The first one you guys have mentioned, sometimes um, those of us who have cr- been Christians or if we've been Christians for a while, we um, get to a point where we realize, oh man, I, I take a look at things and it's like, I, I don't think I'm around as many non-Christians anymore. Um, and so you may be feeling like, Maybe there could be one or two things that you adjust in your life so that you're maybe rubbing elbows a little bit more with lost people, and and that could be a good, you know, thing for us to do. I want want to be really clear about this too, because I, yeah, I just want to be clear about this. If anyone's feeling any shame around this, that's not from the Lord. Um, So I want to be very—that's—and it's not my intention either to put any shame on any of that. And so. If there's any shame voice going on, we'll just shut that down right now. I think more just sort of like in a positive way, um, what you might be doing is kind of starting a conversation with the Lord to see if there maybe are some opportunities of ways that you can partner with God in your life and in some of the things that you're doing. So that might be one takeaway. A second thing that I often hear from people is, is something like, like like, wow, I didn't even realize the <laughs> opportunities that I already have that are in my life, and, and maybe that God is actually even highlighting a person for you and, and saying like, hey, did you think about you know, this person at your job or in your neighborhood or this place that you live or this place where you're spending time, and, and, and now you're kind of thinking, well, now what? And um, there's you know, way more that I could share on that, but, but for now, I'll just say uh, I would just encourage you to try opening your life up a, a little bit to them. Um, invite them to coffee or do something like that. Just listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, love well, and then just kind of go from there. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine, but if you are in Jesus, this is actually what you're naturally equipped to do, right? Um, Jesus didn't say, you guys need to try to be the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world, Right? And, and that's really just my goal for everyone, is that discipleship would just be oozing from all of us naturally with everyone we're around and everywhere that we go, and that we're just hearing from the Spirit of God as we're entering into these places and saying, like, yeah, God, I'm going to do that, okay? Um, and I'm just excited about what that could look like here in Wakanda. And so, really thankful for you guys. Thank you. I love you. I always love being here with you guys. Thanks for bringing me here. And then um, I'll just let me just kind of say a word of uh, a blessing over you, and then our time will be done. Does that sound all right? All right. Okay. Um, in the name of Jesus, Fusion, um, I bless you. I bless you as pastors and as disciples and the territories that the Lord has assigned to you. May God um, manifest in you uh, the gifts of shepherding your friends as they um, are, are drawn to Jesus in you and through you. May the light of Jesus shine through you this month. May you be the aroma of Christ to those who don't know him and I just bless you with courage, and I bless you with strength to try the things in his power through the encouragement and the cooperation of the Holy Spirit in you, to try the things that you've never considered trying before. In Jesus' name, I bless you, Fusion. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you, guys. Yeah, you guys have a great week. Yeah.